Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the NRV Life on Mission podcast. The Life on Mission podcast is practical conversations focused on equipping followers of Christ to live on mission by teaming up and being the church. Reach out to us with questions or topics you would like us to discuss. You can reach out on our Facebook page, NRV Life on Mission, or send us an email at nrvlifeonmission at gmail.com. And now let's head on over to the heart of the New River Valley and take a listen to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the NRV Life on Mission podcast. Today is episode number 16, and uh, we're excited. Of course, the NRV Life on Mission podcast is using coffee humor in the Bible to have practical conversations here in rural areas about how to be living the life on mission. How was that, Dave? That was that was good, man. That was like the amplified version. I, you know, I try. That I was try. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, today we are honored to have for the second time on our podcast second time in two weeks or one week technically seven days Ooh, last week whatever nah, second episode up. whatever you say back to back back, back to back. back that's a good perfect <laughs> <laughs> nick toller how you doing man i'm good, good to have you back i'm good yeah as, as i've discussed it's been a great day <laughs> <laughs> fantastic record time getting here from <laughs> nrcc <laughs> to the office 38 seconds, to be exact, maybe. <laughs> so, um, did you mention yesterday was your birthday? It was, yeah. How was that? Uh, humbling. <laughs> <laughs> Are you to the yeah. age yet where it does not matter? It's just I, another I've, day? It's, it's, it matters in the, all the wrong ways. <laughs> well, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if I said that on Facebook or not to you, but and, you know, that's the official happy birthday. Thank right? you. I actually normally remove it from Facebook because it's stressful for me to get all notifications, but I'm, I'm running behind. I forgot. So. <laughs> well, happy birthday, man! Thanks, thanks for joining us today. And Dave, how you doing? How's your week been? Uh, good so far. Uh, it's been it's it's always. I don't think it's never not busy anymore. But uh, it's mm. it's been good and exciting in a lot of ways. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's um, holiday weekend, Fourth of July. Big one. I don't know. Like it's a huge one. And I was talking to someone the other day, and I totally forgot. And it's not because I don't love the 4th of July, but it doesn't feel like July. Like when all at this, all. we keep talking about the COVID season, but that started back in March and everything's been a blur since. I mean, I can't believe it's July already. July 2nd. Yeah. So, but you know, last week we had a really good conversation in regards to worship and we had, we kind of answered the question or tried to answer the question. I think we, we eventually came back to answering the question of, um, what do you do when you don't like a song that's being sung in your worship service? Hmm. You know, we, we talked we talked about a whole lot of things last week. We even took the liberty to go a little longer last week. Well, this week, we want to kind of do a continuation of that conversation that we had last week, answering the question what many people might be thinking at home, but um, what what is the process of selecting songs, or who is part of the process, How what goes into the process, of selecting songs to be sung on Sunday mornings. And um, Dave, you mentioned kind of you would like some, even some interaction from everyone listening today, right, um, as we talk? Yeah, and, and, and we're always looking for interaction, honestly. And so specifically for this question, this is a question that really is relatable to anybody who's a part of a, a church. Uh, you know, h- how do we, you go into choosing the, the songs or the hymns or, or whatever, uh, for a Sunday morning gathering. And so if you're 
uh, the worship leader or you have some sort of insight or you're just wondering, like you go to church every Sunday, you've never wondered, like, who picks those hymns? Who picks those songs? Like, I'm tired of this song. Or what about that song we haven't sang in six months? Like, hmm. uh, chime in and ask questions and share kind of what the rhythm is for your church and what goes into that. So we just we just want this to be, this is not a, hey, do it our way. This is a, hey, this is just kind of some ways that churches land on choosing those songs. So we would definitely want to hear from from everybody else on what their rhythms look like as well. Absolutely. Well, and as we mentioned last week, we have Nick here who uh, often leads worship, does an excellent job with that. So that's kind of his background when it comes to worship music. And then, of course, Dave and I are pastors who uh, regularly preach on Sundays. And so that's kind of the backgrounds of where we get to. So um, let's just jump right into it. And I wrote down a few steps I know at Calvary that we go through. Uh, We can share these steps or you guys can can dive whatever direction you guys want to go to. But I think we can all agree on step number one when we select songs for a Sunday service, and that is the doctrinal test. How does this song, its lyrics, line up with God's Word? Right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, obviously that sometimes comes down to denominational things, depending on how people uh, you know, view that. But um, obviously we, we I've actually had to cut a song that—, that a bridge out of a song that I just didn't think there was any biblical basis for. And it was a house fire song. Like it was a great tune and everything, but, but the, the, the lyrics just, just weren't there. So I actually replaced it with a bridge from another song, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's things like that you have to take into consideration because if it's not true, even if it's not necessarily a bad thing, it could be mis- misleading. And, and uh, we remember song lyrics a little better than Bible verses sometimes. Yeah. So you don't yeah. want to be going out and, and saying something, Oh, well that one song that says this thing, yeah, that's that's not a, that's not a thing according to God. <laughs> so, I, I think that's definitely a big part of it. I think it's a great point how you make it's it's sometimes easier to memorize uh, songs than it is verses like reciting verses, Bible verses, um, or hearing the message, a sermon, remembering what when we sing songs. You know, that's why we teach our kids songs, right? To remember the alphabet, to remember everything that they need at a young age. You know, and so something that we like to say at our church is. We want to make sure that we are singing verses of God's Word. Like literally, yeah. corporately, our goal every week is that we are singing God's Word in every song. And and that is just uh, ultra important. I know the same thing at North Star Pulaski with you guys, Dave. You guys, um, obviously, step number one is all doctrinal stuff, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we if we have time, we can kind of get into the question, the can that we opened at the end of last week Definitely. as far as like— you know, if there are church movements that are just gifted with worship, but their their church theology or doctrine is is off, you know, how does that land with the 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 discernment of their songs? So we can push that toward the end if we have time. But yeah, absolutely, I, I'm with Nick. Uh, that that needs to be number one priority because, and I, I mean, I always just knew this, but I probably wouldn't have elaborated on it like that. But you're you're right. I mean, lyrics just stick uh easier somehow maybe it's because of the tune or whatever but they just stick and so it is really really important especially if you think about the rhythm of church these days where it typically is a one time a week that people are really investing in the church um and and then well we can get into statistics but like it's not much so you gotta you gotta maximize every little bit of seed that we can plant into people toward the gospel possible so, yeah, absolutely. 
theology is important for Was it like the, once a once a month that people are averaging right now in a Sunday Sunday gathering? I, depending on where you find your statistics, I think a a Christian, a self claiming a Christian, is is six weeks. Wow. They they yeah. come every five to six weeks. I believe it. I believe it. Why did you do the the little bunny ears on Christian? That's or is that another, another conversation? <laughs> that's what we always, you know, I like how that's our fallback. That's a whole another episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, We're stacking them up. <laughs> so, no, I think, um, yeah, I love the way, Nick, you, you put that as well. Um, singing doc- doctrinal verses from God's Word is ultra point. And, and that's that's the reason why it's, it's step number one, right? Because um, who can argue with a song that is reflecting nothing but God's word. And as a pastor, I love when a worship leader, I love when a worship leader just says two sentences in between songs, but points us to that truth um, that we're about to sing in that song. I mean, is that something you do um, in between songs or? Yeah, it's not something I practice, but if it's something that like, I feel like contextually in the moment, like has to be said, like that's, that's the spirit thing. So I, I do, um, I'm not always eloquent when I do that. So, um, I, I, when, when I, when I plan ahead, you know, I like, I don't, I have I like a wireframe things I want to say, uh, whether I'm public speaking or singing or leading worship in a song, but it's not something I, I like practice because I feel like it needs to be, um, needs to be relevant to the moment in, mm-hmm. in certain certain times, and yeah. not to say that that's not something that's uh, practicing is a very good idea, especially mm-hmm. for a new worship leader. Yeah. But yeah. Um, there's a that's a fine balance. But um, I think when you uh, give context to something, it just it resonates emotionally mm-hmm. and and spiritually um, with people a little better. And uh, I personally mm-hmm. like to interject what God's done with me because if he's done it for me he's done it for mm-hmm. someone else and mm-hmm. and I think that sticks with people especially uh, maybe first time or, or at least new attendees you know what I mean uh, making that building that rapport making that connection um, and kind of getting them excited to maybe listen to worship music throughout the week mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's always a good thing yeah yeah and we kind of talked last week about the whole hymn when does the song become a hymn mm-hmm. um and I just, I still hate classifying. I just feel like we live in a life, a world that we have to classify everything as something. Yeah. You know, and I just sure. hate that. If step number one truly is at the heart a doctrinal thing, uh, singing-wise, I don't care if it's a hymn. I don't care if it's called contemporary music. If it's doctrinal, then it's just a worship song, right? And we, yeah. we should we should um, enjoy. By the way, uh, just, just reminded me of something. I don't know if you guys have come across it or anyone listening right now but there's actually a website um that's called the berean test and it takes every worship song and hymn and and grades it according to god's word it's a good resource that could be it's, savage. it's berean you know the bereans yeah. and so the berean yeah. music test if you googled berean music and so what we did with our volunteers on our praise team we lined up all the songs that we sing regularly on a sunday and surprisingly, and I'll, I'll brag on my music team, nothing was below a nine. It's out of ten. Nothing was below a nine point five. Wow, awesome. They they are rocking it right now. They they check God's word, and so um, and that's why I love too. That's kind of a second tier. We're like, okay, this is a, this is built around God's word, and then 
um, hey, uh, check this website out. That that takes God's word and accuracy with the lyrics. Very important. So, anyways, that just popped up. Very cool re- uh, website for anyone to tune in. So, step one is doctrinal test. We all know that. We we talked a lot about that last week, and um, I just threw out again. These these are steps that we do at Calvary. Maybe you guys don't. Please add anything you want. But step two is what we call a rhythm test. I, there might be you might be able to give me a better word. You might be giving. But what I'm saying is, there's some songs that you can rock out on in your car to a worship song during the week, but are not good and easy to sing as a corporate body. Yeah. Is that is that correct? Do you believe? Do you agree with that? Um, 100%. Because that's My, one of the tests we we put in place. <laughs> and that that's a big one because uh, again, it's context, right? And and that's what's interesting about stuff like this. When you try to put it into a box, you go. Well, this church is more progressive. This church is more traditional. So obviously this test looks very different, but the same rules apply. Mm. Uh, my favorite band, uh, Christian band, is actually a metal band, uh, a disciple. <laughs> I'm not exactly going to be singing uh, some disciple on Sunday. Uh, yet, let's go ahead and throw that out there because I, I may get there. You know, mm-hmm. my, I may be a part of a congregation one day that wants to throw up some horns, <laughs> I guess, and, and worship God. <laughs> obviously, wouldn't pass the doctrinal test, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, I, I think that's a, it's an interesting way of putting it, but it's 100% accurate. And, yeah, and it's very contextual. Knowing your your culture, your church culture is is important. That's that's why the label thing I think is frustrating, because you know I think they all hinge on the first piece of being doctrinal. If a song is biblical, that's the most important thing. And there are incredibly biblical songs that we may never do. And there are incredibly biblical songs that we do that other churches may never do. And it doesn't make them wrong. If they're biblical, that's the big thing. It's, it's whatever's going to lead the heart of our congregation to the throne of worship and point them to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. And so what would help? And again, that's kind of, you know, that breaks down at some level. But generally speaking, um, what may stir the heart of our congregation may not be the same song or kind of songs that stirs your congregation or a hundred other congregations mm-hmm. in the area. Yeah. But if it doesn't stir theirs, but it stirs ours, it doesn't make what we're doing wrong if it's biblically accurate. Yeah. And so that's where we need to understand that, man, it's not a, a one-size-fits-all right. uh, style or even choice of, of song. Um, and, and so for our culture, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here or not, but so we don't have a, a worship leader per se. Uh, we, we jumped into when our last worship leader left, him and his wife moved out of state uh, for, for uh, she was getting a job. And so it was, it was sad to send them off. But uh, we, we went to a team approach. So we've got a worship oversight team and so we've got worship directors. And so we, we rotate those through uh, each week. And the worship director, along with anyone else who may be singing or leading, uh, discerns which songs are chosen. And so we've gotten to where we're trying to get three to four months worth of a repertoire of different songs that they can discern through uh, and, and choose over that course of that three to four months. But the heart of that is so that our folks can learn those songs because mm. you can't really worship well. You can reflect and you can meditate on the words, but you can't worship well until you really know the song and it kind of gets into your heart, you know? Mm. And, and so we, we've got this uh, kind of rhythm right now that we're in where 
we've got a, uh, a list of anywhere from like 25 to 35 songs that the different worship directors and bands that are that are switching out each week uh, discern through. We try to get those songs put up two weeks in advance so the so the band who is scheduled that week can really learn them mm-hmm. and then and go from there. But again, like it, it's uh, I, I totally agree that uh, what you're saying, like and we have these conversations a lot within our worship leadership team is, you know, songs that you're pounding on your steering wheel with or, you know, headbanging to, I guess, whatever your style of worship is. <laughs> That's how I do. Uh, you know? Uh, you know, some of those simply won't translate to a corporate worship uh, environment. Some of them will. Some of them you, you may have to, like, walk them through, you know, teaching them the song or whatever. You know, there's a lot of songs out there now that are incredibly biblically accurate and rich, and they're just deep so they're not super repetitive lyrics Mm -hmm. and that may take a little bit longer for a congregation to learn and that might be a song that you're just chewing on and worshiping to on spotify or whatever and man it just takes you to a cool place driving down the road uh and that may or may not work when you've got 50 plus people in a congregation trying to sing it so it really takes you know the, the whoever's the worship leader or, or choosing the songs, it takes discernment and, and discretion and really a level of selflessness mm-hmm. uh, to not sing songs that I like all the time, but that mm-hmm. are going to be hopefully beneficial to the congregation um, to decide. I, I mean, I like the rhythm test. I mean, I like the heart of how you how you label that because that's where it really can look a lot of different ways depending on what church and congregation you're you're in. Yeah, yeah. read the room. Yeah, and Absolutely. That's, that kind of goes into the third thing I've put down you know, this may not be the leading thought of choosing a song, but once you get through the doctrinal, and I love what uh, Mike Campbell, who just commented, he he leads the music over at Auburn Baptist, and I love Mike uh, Campbell. We've, our dads have been friends for a long time. He put in, he gets with his pastor, and they pray over and consider what songs are going to lead people to to reflect on who Christ is through the mm-hmm. choir and through their song. And I love that. So once you pray and go through the doctrinal test. You get to the rhythm test. One other thing that you should do, even pastors should do, getting ready for their sermon prep every, every week is know the room, mm-hmm. know the audience. And and so I'll just give an example. Like our church right now, since we have been meeting in the gym, um, our average age for the last seven weeks has been like 50 years and older or 55 years and older. And we're still doing some of the newer selections that we want to incorporate because we believe that they're God glorifying. But at the same time, we're we're not as you know. Some of our song selections have been not toned down because, I mean, my goodness, we sing "How Deep the Father's Love." That's not toning anything down. That's that's deep. But you know, what I'm saying is, we, <laughs> I see what no no pun intended. So, um, anyways, we we looked at the audience and was like. We want to do this song. We did this song a couple weeks ago, and we really need to repeat it so our song, our church can learn it. But look at our audience. You know, like these guys love this song. This is the songs that. So audience test. Know the room. I mean, Nick, you want to add or what do you guys think about the audience or knowing the room when it comes to music? Yeah. So I think you see this a lot where churches, especially, are trying to break into a new mold. Maybe uh, the average age has gotten younger. Obviously, not taking COVID into account. And they, of course, want to do songs that they're just not equipped to do as a musical preference. Like a guy like me is never going to be able to pull off a Tasha Cobb song mm. the way she does it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just the reality of the mm-hmm. situation. Yep. And um, 
doesn't make that song any less powerful. I will listen to Tashkov all day long because let's face it, pipes, uh, me, yeah. all, it's all there. Like yeah. the passion is there, mm-hmm. but I'm never, it's never going to be as genuine when it, when Nick Toller does it as I just referred to myself in the third person. I said, I would never do that, <laughs> uh, but it's never going to, to be as meaningful never as never, someone man. who's immersed <laughs> in a culture that is, um, um, that they do a lot of trills, you know, uh, and vocal mm-hmm. runs and things like that. I'm just, it's just not something I could pull off. And it's even harder for a congregation to follow someone doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are environments for it, and I've played in those environments. I've been in those environments. They're amazing. It's not going to work anywhere that um, that I have been to in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, and another thing, so, so something that pastors struggle with is we'll go to conferences or whatever and hear different ways of doing ministry and and we want to come back and like you know copy and paste uh somebody who's doing something in inner city chicago Mm. and come back to southwest virginia and and paste it in and it just doesn't work that way and i think worship is is similar so you go to like a passion conference in atlanta with a lot of uh you know 18 to 20 mid 20 year olds like tens of thousands of these guys just just getting into worship, powerful songs, um, and then kind of having the desire to just, like, come immediately back, throw this song in and expect it to be this, like, awe-inspiring moment. And so, I mean, it takes it, it takes equipping congregations in how to worship just as much as it takes them equipping in, in, uh, equipping them in how to share the gospel, how mm-hmm. to live a life on mission. Like, so it's people need to understand— how to worship because there's a lot especially in our area where you've got like extremes on like sitting with you know sitting on your hands straight up in the pew you can't really move because of the reverence to the other side of where there's just no control mm-hmm. and no structure or order and so there's a good balance there and a freedom of worship to where people can close their eyes raise their hand get on their knees like what whatever in that moment mm-hmm. But they have to be given the freedom to be able to do that and equipped in the freedom to do that from the pastor, from the worship leader, from the band. Yeah. And so it's a it's a it's a ongoing teachable moment, mm. uh, I think, for for congregations to not settle for the same old, same old and just to to really if they're being stirred, and I say that I don't know if I said this last week, I feel like I've said it recently, but uh, emotions should not drive our worship spiritually. But worshiping spiritually undoubtedly drives our emotions. Yes, yeah, definitely. And we need to have the freedom, and the people listening, singing, worshiping, need to have the freedom to be able to worship freely. Yeah. Uh, within that structure and uh, organization that Paul talks about, you yeah. know, in Corinthians. And so, um, yeah, I think the audience test is huge. It's knowing your culture, it's knowing who and where and where they are. Um, and so that, but that, that also speaks, if you've got a healthy church, you've got everything from unbeliever to spiritual sage and, yep. and just wisdom there, probably uh, a wide range of age. Um, and so you've got all walks of life typically in a, in a healthy church, I would say. And so that, that also speaks into the, the need to have a diverse, uh, worship set. Yep. Because if Absolutely. you're if you're pigeonholing your worship set into all hymns or all modern songs or all this or all that, then like I said last week, there's a lot of people within that congregation who you're not reaching them because you're speaking to one uh, section of the audience rather than the whole. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the church, 
our mod, uh, the Great Commission is not come and fit, but it's go and reach. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and I think sometimes we get that way confused and, and backwards. So doctrinal test, rhythm test, audience test. Let's get to what we kind of opened up last week a little bit. Now, what if there is a church or organization that's writing music out there that fit? Uh, let's take a specific song that fits the doctrinal test, the rhythm test, and the audience test. But when you do deep, deep research on that organization or that church, and they don't align up with mm. every single doctrinal statement that you have in your constitution or bylaws or your covenant or whatever, your website, does that mean because of that doctrinal difference, but yet that it passes the doctrinal test in that song, we should never sing any songs from those organizations ever, ever, ever. I think uh, that, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, that's an, it's an impossible question to answer because there's not a right or wrong answer. I, it, I think sometimes that might also depend on context or mm-hmm. your current situation. But uh, if 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 uh, me, as Nick Toller, I'm just going to go ahead and embrace the third person thing. As a guy <laughs> who really is well flawed and is going to sin multiple times today, that doesn't mean I can't do good with things. So I think part of it you have to go is, if this song meets your doctrinal test, I mean, unless there, unless it's maybe something just grotesque that they're doing, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, does that disqualify them from being able to reach people? I don't think so. God has used some of the most despicable people uh, known to make the biggest impact. So I think yeah. that's at least something you have to consider mm-hmm. just before throwing it out because, uh, you know, you might not like this mega church that puts out 70% of the worship music we hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you may not like what they do, how they do it, but... Are lives being changed? Are people being saved? Does mm-hmm. it have the ability to pull someone in who might not otherwise be pulled in? That's a that's that's something you've really got to consider. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Because there are bands out there that, from me with like this uh, country rock metal background, I know oxymoronic as can be. <laughs> I was like, you, you like, cover them I, all. I just do. It's my feet, my three favorite types, and, and they're completely different. But. Like there, the reason I got saved, I'm going to say this. Obviously, we all know the reason I got saved is because Jesus was pursuing my heart and I listened to him. But mm-hmm. it was what got me into a pew for the first time was a not a traditional hymn or even a contemporary worship song. It was a band called Among Thorns, and they had this somewhat heavy song. They were big in the Midwest. Um, and a guy got me. I was like, "Man, this is this song's jamming." And he goes, "Oh, well, you wouldn't like that. That's Christian music." And he and he, I knew he had me. Um, and I, he got me in the church that that night because of that song. Hmm. Now this uh, this is a guy who um, came from and went back to a homosexual lifestyle. No, no matter what you believe on that, the bottom line is, it's a it's a guy who had done some things that at best were questionable, and it changed my life. Hmm. So I have to I have to factor in that. That some that's an organization that might not be the 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 bee's knees or the the perfect uh, example um, of God, they can still make a difference and do things well. Hmm. You know, so yeah. that's uh, such an impossible yeah. You mean you question didn't, to answer. You didn't denounce your salvation and get re-saved under someone else that was living their life perfectly because of that? You, you tell I me. I did not. Wow. I'm, I'm thinking about doing it right now. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, at the risk of, like, drawing a line and, and frustrating some people, I'm just going to say this. Um, so as pastors, we have a heavy responsibility to shepherd the people God puts under our care, to to point them toward the gospel, point them toward living for Christ, point them toward growing 
uh, in holiness and sanctification, pointing them, pointing them toward all of those things in a biblically sound way. At the same time, we can't be a helicopter shep- uh, shepherd or pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about helicopter parenting, like, and it's the same thing with pastors and, and shepherds. Like, I cannot have such a stronghold over the people who attend our church that I am jealous if one of them ends up going to your church mm-hmm. or another church, as long as it's a biblically sound church. And so I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm making sense. Here's the heart of what I'm saying. At some point, we have to trust people are growing spiritually, not based on a sermon once a week, but their own vibrant faith, reading mm-hmm. the Word, praying through accountability and involvement in discipling, uh, discipleship kind of spaces, whatever that looks like for your church. So I can't micromanage the spiritual growth of every person who attends our church. Yeah. And so there's a balance because I can't just like throw them out and say, okay, learn it. Um, but at the same time, I can't micromanage it. So yeah. I'm, I'm saying all that to say our role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Within that, they've got to be able to grow on their own because you can't reproduce if it all has to come through me. Mm. Like I'm stunting the health of our church if everything has to come through me. So at some point, we've got to release and trust the Lord to actually move in the lives of people instead of the pastor to move through the lives of our people. Um, And so there's a balance there. So here's the heart of it. When you're talking about the question of of singing songs from a movement, a, a Christian movement, that just is gifted with worship, like the, the the lyrics, generally speaking, or at least the songs that we do are rich biblically, and they're stirring our hearts for the Lord. I can't just have a clean, like, nope, we're not doing that church's worship, we're not doing this church's worship, we're not doing that church's, because that, at some level, is always going to break down, because we are all fallible people. and And so... What if a church is like, we're, we're, okay, we've landed on these three churches. Like, we're only going to do their worship, not these other ones, because it's uh, lending toward like a prosperity or uh, a liberal faith or whatever. We're just, we're not going to do those at all because we don't want to condone that. We're going to stick with these. And so maybe the, the pastor of that church has an affair. Hmm. Does that mean now we kick them out of our worship rotation hmm. because there was sin? Because our churches are full of sin, and again, I know there's, that's a very that's an extreme example. But what my what I'm trying to say is, if the songs that we're singing for our people are stirring our hearts for the Lord, and they're they're songs that we can worship to privately and corporately, and then let's say because the extreme example on that side as well, let's say if we're doing a church that does not believe in the theology that we believe and we're doing their music and let's say somebody in our church starts saying man i love those songs i'm gonna i'm gonna follow them on spotify i'm gonna start researching and then they start researching that church the 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 cautionary fear there is well i don't want to mislead them spiritually to then start buying into the doctrine of that church right that's that's kind Mm -hmm. of the big pushback or that when we we buy our ccli license and we're doing songs that we're supporting them every time we do their so i Here's my thing. Like, what I would want to equip our folks to is, like, when they start researching that church or that movement, they ask questions. Yep. Like, I don't want them to buy into Dave Ferris's faith because I stand up and preach it. Yeah, they need sure. to own their own faith, and they need to grow to a point spiritually where 
when they're researching this church because the worship was awesome, but then they start getting into their theology and flags are starting to be raised, they ask questions. And then we don't rake them over the coals because they're asking questions. Hmm. We help them walk through and seek the Lord and seek biblical answers to why. Why are they so jacked up in their theology or whatever? Because at the end of the day, anybody within our church, if they're owning their faith and they're wrestling through their faith and they're living their faith out, that is going to be a hundred times more healthy than if they're just little robots for Dave Ferris or robots for North Star Church because they've just always gone there. Mm -hmm. And so I want them to own it. And if they, I I want them to wrestle with those questions. Um, But the reality is, man, I. I, and I wrestle with this off and on in seasons because I always want to be teachable and I want to come back to it. So when I read the flurry of articles that come back to mm-hmm. the surface of like, well, you shouldn't do this because it's misleading or you're supporting that or whatever. Like, I mean, really, does that mean we need to siphon like where we buy our sound equipment from, make yeah. sure they're from Christian companies? <laughs> yeah. Like, Well, that's what I was going to say. You guys nailed the doctrinal part of it, but I want to say the practical part is are you practicing – the the test that you're you're making me accountable for with the music are you doing that in your own life stores you're shopping at yeah you making your own clothes because that's about the only way you're gonna like <laughs> with everything that you believe in you look at companies yeah i mean i was at a company today that i don't believe in everything that they stand on you know that i bought some breakfast and coffee from so i mean what company no, i'm just kidding <laughs> well i got coffee from it so <laughs> so but is it, it uh, what about books on your shelf in your library did, did, uh, every author that you have on there do you believe everything that they teach and preach and commentaries and i mean come on so someone once told me to sum it up is chew the meat spit out the bones glorify god <laughs> you know I, real quickly, no, not every book on my shelf are people that I believe because I don't want to pigeonhole myself into reading only what I believe. How do you stretch yourself? How do you grow? How do I reach those people Yeah, that have different views if I'm not willing to at least hear what they're saying? Yeah. Now, you know, I've got to, I've got to wrestle in that and, and stick to my, you know, where I feel uh, convicted. But if I'm ever going to have an opportunity to reach those people, I need to understand at least why they believe what they believe so that then I can discern how to uh, be able to engage in them with wise conversations. Well, I think all this conversation can be summed up to what, um, Dave, you and I were talking about before we start the episode when Nick was driving down the road on two wheels, screeching in here, record time from NRCC to North Star office. I never sped. It's just that close, for the record. Just FYI, any officers out there. All them popo. Um, we talked about how how often we need to – we have it backwards when we plan to do something. We'll do something, and then we'll try to fit Jesus into it or tag Jesus at the end of it and say, oh, yeah, we did this for Christ. Where in essence, we need to turn that around, and before we do anything, we should ask the question, what will bring the most glory to the name of Jesus today? Mm. And I think we answered it last week, I think we answered it this week, that many many churches, many believers have gotten into the, the rhythm of they want to come worship and throw Jesus at the end of it, but their first priority is, how is this going to, am I going to like the music, am I going to like this? Am I going to be upset by anything? It's like we come in looking for something to be upset with. Yeah. Like that can ruin your whole day looking for the wrong. We need to say how today and trust in the leadership, how can we glorify Jesus the most, especially Man, through I, uh, song selections? I, 
I, I think one of the one of the most meaningful feedback, some of the most meaningful feedback I can get from somebody who has visited North Star is for them that whether we're at the lake in an outdoor setting or in a gymnasium or at the school auditorium or wherever, that somebody can walk in there and they, they say, one of their first things is, man, I just felt it. Like there was a spirit of the Lord in that place and it was shown by the love of the people and the hospitality from the worship to the preaching to the... Pre- like when when they start giving that kind of feedback and it's not just like like because they think I want to hear it, but it's like legitimately like they share that... Mm. To me, that's that's when I'm like, man, thank you, Lord, because that's the heart of it. That's that's what our environments need to have. When the people of God gather in that corporate environment, whether it's a hymn, whether it's a song, whether it's a uh, headbanging thing that leads them to Jesus, whatever, whatever the style <laughs> is for that context, that there's a presence of the Lord there, hmm. man, that's, that's what I think people, man, who doesn't want to be a part of that? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Who would not want to experience that? And so I, I, uh, man, yeah, I don't know where I was Maybe going with that. But Christians, <laughs> when you stop trying to uh, be perfection and just try to be excellent, which is what you yeah. know, what Jesus kind of is asking. It's like, don't be perfect because you can't. That's yep. been done. Right, it won't be done again. You mm-hmm. know, uh, but mm-hmm. what we can be is as as good as we can be. You know, mm-hmm. bring that excellence to it, and whether that's when your song selection, or greeting someone at the door, or you know, handing out our uh, consumables for communion. You know yeah. what I mean? Like um, your attitude is going to speak volumes uh, beyond what any plan you can put in place. Mm-hmm. You know, that genuine care for someone's well-being mm-hmm. is paramount and indispensable. Yeah. Real quick before we we log off, each I want to hear from both of y'all. Do you think we should lean toward more of thinking, overthinking worship selections every week, or we put too much thought into it and we just need to get up and sing? Because you'll hear from both sides. People say, "Man, y'all are y'all are putting way too much up. Just pick a song, get up there, sing." Or should we err on the side of overthinking, aka praying over and over and over again? song selections hopefully that makes sense i want to hear from both of y'all yeah i say you never lose by over preparing now there's a certain spiritual aspect of it that you know you have to be mindful of but no one has ever uh, come away a worse person for over preparing overthinking maybe mm-hmm. but over preparing is not a bad thing uh, as a song that's a good leader really yeah. good as a song leader, there's a lot more that goes into a song selection. We worry about keys, being able to flow. I like to mash songs up, different bridges with things, as I talked about earlier. That doesn't happen by accident. Not with me. I'm not that good. You know what I mean? So um, I think over-preparing allows you to be uh, able to move in the spirit a little more, and then therefore the experience uh, is bound to be better because God can do what he wants because you're not focused on all the wrong things at that time. Mm-hmm. So get out in front of it maybe. Um, I'll, I'll come at it from a little di- different direction, and I, I, this is probably a Sunday school answer. But um, I think overthinking the the details of all the beginning to end flow. Like I've been in churches where every second of the service was planned out. Oh yeah. And then I've been in churches where it was just kind of like whatever. And I, there's but a the balance. Spirit lead. There there is a <laughs> balance in that. And I here here's where I would say with that. I, 
because you're always going to have the over preparers and the under preparers, even within a worship team. Yeah. My thing. <laughs> woo, preach. My thing <laughs> is for for our band, whether that's front of house folks or instrumental, whatever. Your heart needs to be ready. Like you yeah. need to diligently prepare as best you can with the chords and the lyrics because that's going to make it that's going to put our our congregation in a place to be able to experience worship more um intimately i'll use that word but it you can know every chord and every word and not show up with the right heart and that's going to be that's going to that's going to derail or has the potential of derailing everything so my thing is learn it the best you can like there needs to be a bar there of expectation but you need to show up with your heart and your head where it needs to be and then just be open to what the Lord does. Because, mm-hmm. like, for example, you know, we try to come up with a, a good game plan each week. But our first Sunday at the lake, I think it was, or second Sunday, like we lost all power like the, for the last two songs. So we called an audible and we said, all right, get in as close as you're willing to do, socially distancing or whatever. Mm-hmm. We had a guitar and a vocal and did it a cappella. And that's where, you know, those moments, if your head and heart's in the right place, you're going to flex with those yep. and go with that yep. flow. Yep. And and God can use those moments. We were at a youth conference in Gatlinburg in uh, January. And, I mean, this is a conference with, like, uh, like I think it was like seven or 8,000 kids. And there was a whole session where the entire convention center was full of kids on a Saturday morning. And the entire town of Gatlinburg lost its power. Like, had, nobody's ever like experienced that before. Wow. We should have known early in January what this year was going to be like. Oh goodness, twenty twenty. It was all there. But uh, like they, the emergency lights came on. The band was leading worship, so they basically called an audible. Everybody crowded the the front of the stage area, and they had acoustic worship. And wow. we weren't in that group, but they said it was the most intimate powerful time of the entire weekend yeah and so that's where if your head and heart are in the right place everybody who's in a leadership position of being on that worship team man the lord's going to use us that's right so it doesn't matter yes it does matter it matters how much preparation we're putting in behind the scenes Mm -hmm. but even more important than that is the head and heart being being right and being diligent so and i would say if, if the head and heart are there then you're being diligent in learning the songs anyway yeah yeah. So, well, as a pastor, I always want to know how the worship practice went. You know, did you worship in worship practice, or did you? I don't know how to word this, but or was it just all stress and practicey? I want to know if my worship team practiced. Uh, did they worship in practice? And that usually gives a good indication if they're ready to to lead us in worship um, mm. on Sundays, and so. And I that, made. Can I, can I add to that? Yeah, please. Uh, I used to. Uh, I developed a system for the church I planted in D.C. a long, long time ago, and we actually changed the verbiage from worship practice to worship rehearsal because mm. your preparation has to be before that. We're not mm. there to learn the songs; we are there to worship. Period. Um, when we get together, we are uh, uh, as a congregation. We've gathered. Mm. You know, He is there. So um, I'm not saying that that has to be a thing that you do, but it, it raises the point that. In our preparation, worship has to be the main focus. Yeah. So we're just rehearsing what God's going to do, you know, uh, there. So that's another being prepared thing that comes into play. That's, that's good. the only thing I wanted to mention. That one little verbiage change changed the entire philosophy of our worship team, and wow. we were better for it. Yeah. Uh, uh, individually, spiritually, I certainly grew. It was mm. really great. Well, 
we've had some good conversations the last two weeks. Nick, thank you so much for adding to those. And uh, I guess we'll close the book a little bit on conversations around worship. But um, if you did not get to listen to us last week, um, you can listen to that episode. Go back on our Facebook page, or you can check us out on any of the top platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And I won't say anything bad about Google Podcasts because Nick <laughs> told me that that's – He's been there before for some podcasts, but we're we're all over all of them. Go go check those out. But the heart of the matter, if you're listening to us, especially if you come to our churches, uh, we just want you to know that uh, when it comes to music, we want Christ to be glorified above all else. Absolutely, above all else. That's all we care about, and uh, we want you all to have the right hearts when you come in, so we can worship. If the power goes out, we still can worship. If if the government shut us down for whatever reason, shut our building down, we still can gather somewhere. And worship the name of Jesus. You know, if our building got chained locked, we'll we'll meet out in the parking lot and, and and sing out loud there. But that's what worship is. It's about glorifying the name of Christ. And so, well, let's wrap this thing up. Nick, would you mind ending us in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Today? You would mind? I, I absolutely would mind, but I'll do it anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Father God, uh, we love who you are and mm-hmm. um, and how you work and unexpected conversations that turn into deep philosophical um, structured arguments within ourselves, Father, that uh, brings yeah. to light things we didn't even know were important. But uh, sometimes being able to realize that through the way that you bring it to us is uh, the biggest part of being a Christian and growing spiritually, Father. So I yeah. thank you for, for two men just leading me constantly, um, worrying about our hearts and how we do things and the importance of the excellence behind it, Father, that mm-hmm. you constantly put people in our lives that challenge us to be better as human beings and ultimately better spiritually father and uh that we can grow lord so i just pray that you would bless um every person who is um listening right now lord that that the time spent um with us lord be something that uh, they take with them through the week and apply it to multiple aspects of their life maybe what they're listening to in the car maybe just how they approach other things and do it with excellence and do it with a mindful heart and what Mm -hmm. they can learn um, from this podcast, just be limitless, Father. So uh, mm-hmm. just pray that um, you would be with us all, Lord. Go with us through this week and just show up in a big way and change some hearts. Yeah. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.